Hey everybody, welcome back to Latter-day Lesbian. That sounded weird. Try again. <laughs> Latter-day Lesbian. See, you gotta say it with conviction. Okay. Can't say it. It's not, a, it's not a question. <laughs> There's no question here. No, it's not. I mean, unless you're questioning your sexuality or something, which you are not. No, I'm good there. The podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out life, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm Mary. I'm Shelly. So before we get into listener uh, responses and questions, thank you all for for writing in and asking questions. It's fantastic. I kind of wanted to follow up on that whole... Um, I think we sort of glossed over the whole Joseph Smith story with uh, the angel Maroni. Sorry, Maroni. Maroni. Gosh, girl. Uh, in his bedroom. <laughs> Just sounds so creepy. Maroni. You know the angel that visited the Virgin Mary? Oh, yeah. Which one was that? Uh, Gabriel. 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 <laughs> I'm renaming him. I think someone should um, tell Sting to re-record Gabriel's message because he got the name all wrong. <laughs> did he? <laughs> yeah, I think he did. Anyway. Okay. Give him a what, call. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do that right after this. Good. Uh, whatever happened to those gold plates? Um, that's an interesting question because supposedly... And by the way, so, okay, real quick, backing up. Someone who's ex-Mormon like I am said one of their criticisms of the podcast was that when I talk about Mormonism, I don't have like my facts down and the dates and stuff. I was never really super into church history. I just believed everything I was told. And then when I'm reciting it now as a non-believer, maybe I come across as being confused, but I'm kind of telling these things. And in my mind, I'm like, that sounds really weird. And I don't believe it now. So when I say supposedly Joseph Smith, supposedly the angel Moroni, it's because I don't think I believe it. Does that make sense? Maybe you're just not good with dates and things. That that could be it. That that could be it. <laughs> Aren't we going to have a um, a historian or something on the show? Yes, a good friend of mine who is a historian. He teaches history at George Mason University. Um, this is kind of one of his specialties. I've asked him to come on the show, and we can kind of do a rundown of Mormonism and American history and the real history of it compared to what I was taught about it, and I think it will be such an interesting podcast. So can't wait for that. It's coming up. Yeah, because some of your facts are a little loosey-goosey, maybe. Well, they are, and also the the Mormon faith-promoting stories that I was taught are actually not historically accurate. Hmm. Because the historically accurate stories are bad and offensive, and oh, why so they, would they water it down? a little Oh yeah, bit. yeah. It's this whitewashed version of Mormon history, and so you'll believe it a little bit more. You'll buy that. Well, a little oh, bit for more. sure. It's more. How can I even give an example? There's there's one specific situation called the Mountain Meadows Massacre. And this was in Utah. Ah. Uh, Possibly. I know. Joe, Joe, help us, Joe. (laughs) We need Joe. Because you have no idea. (laughs) I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm like the worst. Anyway. You're the worst ex-Mormon. I'm the worst ex-Mormon. I probably am because I started a podcast and I'm like letting the truth out. So I am horrible. truth with some holes in it. Yeah. We'll we'll figure them out. Joe, help us. Uh, Okay. We'll have to table that because I remember that question I asked like a few minutes ago about the golden plates. Whatever happened to the golden plates? Oh, gosh. The golden plates. I've got a golden tablet. Oh, God. What is that? (laughs) Well, you know, it's like the golden ticket from Willy Wonka. Sorry, oh, I know you, okay. hate, you hate musicals. Yeah, so. I didn't see that one. All you musical lovers out there, it's okay to love them. I just happen to not love them. Although I did promise someone who sent a message in, uh, kind of poking fun at me in a, in a in a friendly way that I didn't like musicals, said that I should go see uh, the, the, Book of Mormon. the Book of Mormon musical. And I haven't seen that. And then I'm like, 
Well, yeah. If there's yeah, any musical I'm going to go see, that's it. So Obviously. A bit if you have seen it, I would love for you to send in some... Something I'd go see it with you. you. Would you go see it with me? For sure I'd okay, go see it with right. you. Okay, but back to the golden plates. The golden plates were the plates that the angel Moroni told Joseph Smith, but he told them that he wasn't prepared enough spiritually to go get them yet. And so he came to him once a year for like three or five years and then finally gave him permission to go dig these plates up out of the hill Kimura. So Joseph Smith goes, digs up the plates. Which happened to be right near his house. Isn't I remember crazy? reading about that. Oh, huh, yeah. How convenient. Huh, weird. So he goes, digs them up. No one's actually said they've seen them, but Joseph Smith apparently translated them, but he did it by looking at a seer stone. It's like a magical stone in a Sears hat. catalog? Oh, God. Seer <laughs> stone. Seer, okay. Like S-E-E-R. <laughs> Lord, Sears is going out of business. I know, but back in the day, come on, I think that makes more sense. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're it's, just right. As, it's just as viable. Uh, that's true. It's, it's just as believable as my story. Anyway, so he digs up the plates, and he's being persecuted and chased out of town because he's told someone that he had them, and then people wanted to kill him and take them and sell them or something like that. But he translated them into what is now the Book of Mormon that you hear about. After they were translated, the angel Moroni came and took them back up into oh, heaven. I'm sure. So, how convenient. Yeah, how convenient. Yeah. That's Carbon dated to 1823, <laughs> I'm thinking. Right. right yeah. Right. Mm, okay. Um, all right. Well, so that clears that up. Does no, it? no plates, mm-hmm. no proof. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, well, that's another. I mean, it, every religion is like that, right? There's, there's no real proof of anything, is there? Yeah, I think I think you're right. And then when people say, you know, show me the money, where's the proof? Then you're told that, well, you need to have more faith. You're not being righteous enough. You're not being obedient enough. You shouldn't question these things. If you were faithful enough, you wouldn't question. You would know in your heart that it's true. So what happens if you stop believing in your heart that it's true? Then you're just done? Well... You can stay Mormon, but you can't ask questions that kind of go contrary. I know that because, well, I'll tell you a quick story. How about that? Story story time. (laughs) And then, uh, then we'll go on. So when I was beginning to question the church, when I was probably 40, 41, it was really bothering me how so many of the lessons, they just seemed very, we're better than anyone else. They were very judgmental toward other people. And that started to bother me the more I started thinking, I don't know, I don't know if this is right. And for my 40th birthday, I decided to get my nose pierced. Not out of rebellion. I know, I'm so horrible. Not out of rebellion, but I thought nose piercings were so pretty. Like I would see these these women that would have their nose pierced for religious reasons, you know, different cultures and things. And I used to think how pretty it was. Hmm. It was pretty. It looked a little badass. I mean, it was just cool. And so when I turned 40, I was like, I'm going to get my nose pierced. And you were still in the Mormon church. I was still in the Mormon church. I was questioning at that point um, because I never would have considered that before I started questioning. Like, that's like a big no-no. You don't get piercings. Women are only supposed to have uh, one piercing in each ear, if anything. How is that allowed? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Why is that allowed, but nothing else is? It actually goes back to when, again, we're getting off track. We'll survive. It goes back to when President Hinckley, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley was his name. He was the prophet, in quotations, in the (laughs) 90s. And he was being interviewed or he was speaking at BYU. I don't quite remember what the situation was, but he just said that he didn't like the way that piercings looked. He didn't say, God has told me to tell you to not have piercings. He just kind of said he didn't like it, that he was more traditional style. Well, if he didn't like it, I mean, come on, forget it. Yeah, right? well, it was, it, the thing, it wasn't a commandment. 
Not at all. But somehow that morphed. It seems like a prophet will just sort of say something, and then the next prophet will say it was a commandment, or the people will decide it's a commandment, and then all of a sudden it's a commandment from God, and you're taught that in in church. Kind of like how you're not supposed to use the word Mormon anymore. Right. Exactly. Thank you. That's crap. And this is the current prophet's point of view. Prophet's point of view, which guaranteed it will then become God said. And the current prophet actually said that anytime you use the word Mormon from now on, it's a win for Satan. (laughs) Which is hilarious, by the way, because the Mormon church used tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of tithing payer money of like Mormon Mormon members sending in their 10%. They used it to do a big publicity thing that was called, I am a Mormon. You guys have probably heard it or something along those lines. So like to use the word that the church approved to use this word and this big publicity well, push. And the, and the holy book is called the Book of Mormon. Are they changing the name of it? No, never. Of course not. Every time you try to make sense out of these things, you realize that you can't make sense of it because it doesn't make sense. Hmm, fair. So just like two years ago, the word Mormon was pushed and tons of money was behind it. And now all of a sudden the new prophet's like, yeah, anytime you use that word, it's a win for Satan. Hmm. Makes no sense. So that goes back to Gordon B. Hinckley saying, I don't really like anything more than one piercing, and it's I just like more the traditional thing. Somehow that morphed into God said, this is a commandment. So, back to my story. Because God cares about how many holes you have in God your God gives two shits about how many <laughs> earrings you have. Like, really? The more I think about the way God was explained to me as a Mormon, I just wouldn't really like that person. I wouldn't hang out with them. Like, mm-hmm. I, if, if my goal in this life is to be so obedient that I get to hang out with this judgmental, mean God like you. No. And birth more babies in the afterlife. And birth more babies for eternity. Yeah. No, I think I'm, I think I did enough. I did seven in this life. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. That's good. I'm Actually, familiar. four of them were over today decorating the tree mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. making Christmas cookies and arguing about things and making a mess. It was, and it was great. Nobody burned the house down. So we, and we survived it. So we did. That's great. We did. It was, it was amazing. We lived to tell. We lived to tell about it. Yeah. yeah. So we're sitting right now podcasting in this the downstairs room that has the beautiful kid-decorated tree. There's a fire in the fireplace. fireplace. Very cozy. But no chestnuts roasting. Okay, can <laughs> I finish my story? That? No, um, I, don't, I don't know. Have you ever had? Yeah, like in New York or something. Ch- okay, right. probably. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> Good okay, talk. Back for can you stop believing and still be a Mormon? Like, what do you do? Were we talking about that? We were. You asked okay. me the question. Yeah, Read I? the notes. You, you asked oh, me the question. Select a memory. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in Sunday school, right? I just got my nose pierced. Okay, because in my mind at this time, God didn't care about piercings. I had already come to terms with this whole thing, like God telling people how to dress and what kind of piercings they should have. I just decided that was crap. And so 40th birthday, got my nose pierced, went to church the next Sunday. And of course, no one acknowledges the piercing. You know, no one can say, I like your piercing. They it's just invisible. Pre- yeah, they just pretend it's not on your face. <laughs> so I'm sitting in Sunday school and the question was posed from the teacher of Sunday school to the class. Tell me an incident where you have followed the prophet and how it's blessed your life. And for some reason, that entire month we were talking about following the prophet, which I think is another was another big kicker for me realizing it was crap because no one really talked about Jesus anymore. It was all about following the prophet, following the prophet. And I have a hard time with that because he's just a guy like 
an old white dude and we're supposed to do whatever he says. Get with a program. So the question was posed and one lady rose her, raised her hand. It's raised? Mm-hmm. Rose? Raised, raised. Sorry, raised her hand. I am a college dropout. Raised her hand. <laughs> and proud of it, Dan. proud of it because I dropped out of Brigham Young University. <laughs> Boom! Take that. Nice. <laughs> By the way, had I not dropped out, they would have kicked me out with me leaving the church. You can't be a Mormon and then quit Mormonism and be allowed to stay at BYU if you were there. Plus, I think they heard you drink a cup of coffee. We need to talk about that. What, what's we up will. with coffee Can and I finish my story? Yes, sorry. Because this is a good one. So, sitting in class, question is posed. Lady raises her hand and says, I remember experience of following the prophet when Gordon B. Hinckley came out and commanded us that girls shouldn't have more than one piercing in each ear. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but I had two in each ear. Um. And I immediately took out those second piercings. And I am blessed because my younger sister saw me do that. And so she took her piercings out too. Oh, so you were able to be a witness. Yeah. And so I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh. So the... Your, your blessing... You took away that stumbling block for her. Sure did. You will no longer be a sinner with those second piercings in your ears. Here's my thought process when that was said. I'm like, so we're being asked to share how our lives have been blessed by following the prophet. And the prophets are supposed to be like these miracle workers telling you what God wants. It's supposed to be this big deal. And, and you're being blessed because he supposedly told you to take your earrings out. So you did. And then your sister did too. That's the big blessing <laughs> you got from being obedient. It's like you were cured from cancer. Not like feeding or, the poor. No, no, no. Take endeavor. out the earrings. <laughs> those, those yeah. Evil earrings from hell. Yeah. First it's second piercings and then you're a prostitute. Like it just, or like <laughs> just a, jumps a, right from a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. Like there's no in between. Yeah. pretty. That sounds right. Yeah. I think so. Uh-huh. So she made that comment and I was like super not happy about it. And I, and I raised my hand <laughs> And I was called on. And by the way, probably a month before that, this was when I was first starting to question and I was raising my hand a little more instead of just always raising my hand in agreement and telling these faith promoting stories of my life. This was, I was starting to be a little more, I won't say argumentative, but this is probably how it came across. So I raised my hand and said, I have an experience. Oh, this ought to be good. So I turned 40. And I've always loved the way nose piercings looked. And I decided, you know, I want to get my nose pierced. And so I went to the, the, the piercing place and I got my nose pierced. And the second that needle went into my nose, the spirit completely left my body. You said this? <laughs> I said that. <laughs> like, it was like in Sunday school or something? Sunday school. It was in Relief Society, so it's all the women. It's all the women. <laughs> so I said that the spirit left my body when my nose was pierced. And of course, all the heads whip around and look at me. And then I said, no, you guys. No. Oh, you were joking? Of course I was. I said, guys, no. Like, why? The spirit didn't leave my body. Why are we so focused on judging people by what they wear? And You were talking to the wrong crowd. I was. For some reason, I thought I could rally people to recognize. I know. I thought I could rally people to recognize that we were just judging the shit out of people and not helping people and not being kind. So I said, I said, guys, we're better than this. Why are we judging people for their earrings or their clothing? We need to be lifting each other up. Like Jesus didn't judge people. He loved everyone. So I, I said I'm my pretty remark. sure Jesus had a nose ring. Oh, he'd have been badass with that nose <laughs> ring for sure. So I made this comment and then the conversation trickled off. Other people made comments and I was just irritated because their comments were just as ridiculous as this lady being blessed because she took her earrings out. 
So the very next day, I get a phone call. It could have been an email. I don't remember. An email. It's an email from the bishop of my ward, which is the leader of the congregation, the mm-hmm. priesthood holder, the highest priesthood holder in the congregation. And he said he wanted to meet with me. And I'm like, cool. Oh, okay. you're in trouble. I know. So I go in and meet with him the next Sunday before church starts. And he sat me down and he said... Uh, Yeah, I heard that you made a comment in Relief Society, (laughs) and it upset a lot of people. There were some ladies that came and told me that after you made your comment that there was like a palpable darkness in the room. (laughs) Oh, you provided no relief in Relief Society. No relief. (laughs) None. And so he said that to me, and I said, well, that's crazy. And I told him, like, when I was actually getting across, and he said, you made people uncomfortable. I don't want you raising your hand and contributing in class unless you are following what is in the manual. <laughs> Follow the rules. So boom, right there. I was starting, not, and I was still a believer. I was still in on Mormonism. I just, I just was concerned about this whole pro- follow the prophet thing. your hand slapped. I did. Oh. Not only that, he said, don't talk. Don't talk in Relief Society anymore unless it goes exactly along with the curriculum. Oh, ouch. Brainwashing. Brainwashing. Yes. So to answer your question, can you you be a non-believer and be a Mormon? You can if you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Um, Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself because people can't handle. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Uh, there, that's my story. Wow! And I still have my nose piercing to this day, and I love it. It's my favorite piercing. <laughs> and where's the spirit now? I know. Who knows? <laughs> spirit left that day. Left it seeped right out of that hole in your nose. Sure did. Okay, so should we get to some questions? Let's so we've, <clears throat> lots of questions have come through. We're going to get to all your questions. It's not necessarily in the order that they're received. It's in the order of kind of what is on our brains that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's one. What was it like growing up Mormon? What were your first memories? I mean, I was always Mormon, so I always went to church. I always wore the stupid dress and the pantyhose and the whole the whole damn thing that I hated. But one of my first, I think, very damaging memories was realizing very, very early on that boys and girls weren't just different. Boys were better and girls were less. Well, and this sort of touches on uh, the last podcast and, and, and your your whole identity with, with gender, like the gender stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of mixed up about gender. I am. And, you know, I, I had some feedback from a really good friend who's a, a she's also an ex-Mormon, but she's very, she's a very strong, progressive woman. And we were talking and she was saying, you know, masculinity isn't necessarily a strength and feminism isn't a weakness. And I think she said it was the don't don't necessarily buy into the construct of masculinity and femininity. Right. Like correct. We've, made, we've made that up. That right, whole idea. Right. And when I when I listened back to the podcast, I think I probably came across as maybe a man hater, um, but I'm I'm not at all. Growing up, my view because of the family that I was raised in, being a man was better, and men were strong, and they got to make the decisions. And they ran the show, and they got to do all the cool, fun stuff. And they had more priesthood authority. God loved them more. And then women, on the other hand, we were supposed to serve the men and do what they wanted and support them. But we didn't really have a voice. We weren't allowed to make choices. If there was a disagreement between husband and wife, the husband gets to pick the choice. You know, he all, he presides. At least you didn't say man and wife. I hate that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Shelly, our podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm, literally, meaning 
Anchor not only distributes our podcast for us, but they find us great sponsors too. And Anchor is free and super easy to use. You can record and edit right from the Anchor app or from their website. So if you want to start making money right away and have your podcast available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and many others, then download the Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. We can't wait to hear your podcast. Hey, everybody. If you're listening to this, you obviously like podcasts and you probably like music, too. On Spotify, you can listen to all of it in one place for free. You don't need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. Download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you are. And easily share what you're listening to with your friends via Spotify's integrations with social platforms like Instagram. Just search for Latter-day Lesbian on the Spotify app or browse podcasts in the Your library tab and follow us so you never miss an episode of LDL. Spotify is the world's leading music streaming service and now it can be your go-to for podcasts as well. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you later. So anyway, I understand that my views of gender and masculinity and feminism, they are warped because of how I was raised both in the family that I was in and the religion that I was in. And I'm, I'm totally working through that. And if I come across at all as disrespectful toward men or whatever it is, I'm working through it. I'm trying to repair myself from the junk that I was fed my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but growing up Mormon. Oh, right. So growing up Mormon, again, my first feelings were that I was less. Mm-hmm. So my dad was a very strong personality. He, well, I, I'm saying was like he's dead, but he's not he's still alive. And we'll talk about that in future podcasts because there's definitely a, a rift between us at this point. Uh, he was military and he was always like top of the command in military. And he was always in the bishopric in the church, which means like one of the few people that's running that congregation. Or he was in the stake presidency, which is the small group of men who run multiple congregations. Or he was a mission president, which is the dude in charge of all the missionaries in an area. Like, he was always in charge. Yeah. Uh, and my mom, I've said this before, she's very nice. She's the, the kindest, sweetest woman you will ever meet. But she also doesn't stand up to my dad, doesn't really have right. a backbone, um, has just been kind of beaten down. I don't mean that physically beaten down into this role of just supporting my dad and doing whatever he wants and Not going along with ideas. Yeah. She doesn't have her own ideas. His ideas become her ideas. I've mm-hmm. heard her talk and I'm like, that's just exactly what dad said. You don't even think that mom. Right. She just doesn't, she doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, mom, that's if sad. you're listening, I'm sorry. That's, that's how it was for me watching your relationship with dad growing up. But that's not how it was. Well, that's what it seemed like to me. And it's what it seems like to me now. You she know, probably just accepts that women are inferior to men. She probably just believes that. Here's how Mormons get you on that. If you say they're inferior, Mormons will say no. They just have different roles. Really? And a lot of women will say, well, I would never even want to have the priesthood. That's just too much to have to do. It's too like, much They make themselves feel better by saying, well, I don't really want it anyway. It's mm-hmm. like sour grapes. Right. You know? And they'll also say, well, the reason men get the priesthood is because they need to have this responsibility to make them better people. Because if, if they didn't have this connection with God and this responsibility, they would just kind of be selfish and do whatever. Which I'm like, that's kind of a knock on men. You know, why right. would you accept that as the reason why you get the priesthood? Because mm-hmm. you would suffer if you didn't like that's that's I don't like that so women are just naturally closer to God so they don't need it is that the implication that men need the priesthood because they would stray yes and then women are taught that well you are just as important because you get to bear children which is something that men don't get to do well what about all the women out there who can't sure 
you know, then that, that sucks for them. And the, you know, they say that, that we're valued. Okay. How am I valued when I have to ask a man above me for any decision I make in church, mm-hmm. any decision, whether it's ask my husband, whether it's if I'm in charge of some church function, I have to ask the man above me, is this okay if we do this? Can we do it at this time? What's the budget? And by the way, speaking of budgets, the budget for the young men's program, young men is like age 12 to 18 and young women's same thing. The budget for the boys is like 10 times that of the budget for the girls. Well, what do they need? They're just sitting around knitting. What do they need a budget for? Exactly. Like they're just making a pillow or learning (laughs) how to cook for us. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's it. Whereas the men got to do this expensive, really cool things. And one of the things that I, that I had heard, because some women were starting to complain about it was like, why are you complaining? These boys need this kind of training to be good husbands to your girls. Huh? Anyway, everything was very unequal. And so that was my first, was your first memory memory because I have three brothers, three Mm -hmm. older macho brothers. And so I just got to see them do everything cool and everything fun. And I, I didn't get to, and that yeah. sucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear you. That's a great memory. And that is yeah. fantastic. I yeah. like sharing time. <laughs> sharing time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you always share the best memories, Shelly. Oh, I know. Wait till I tell <laughs> a story so about breaking and entering in, in, in New Mexico. That's <laughs> that was an be good. accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming up on a future podcast. But so, it's, yeah, it's so what we're going to do is we've decided sometimes the stories are going to get a little heavy. Yeah. And so we may just like throw in a lighthearted story now and then. Sure. Yeah, like the time I discovered my roommate's dead body. That's a really good one. (laughs) Okay, we'll lead with that, and then we'll tell a knock-knock joke. That's fantastic. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been some stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we have time for one more. So this question has come through a lot, that people want to know how Shelly kind of figured out she was a lesbo. (laughs) (laughs) So what were the signs you were gay what were the signs? Well, people have asked too, did you know you were gay when you were Mormon? The answer to that is no. I wouldn't have even thought to dig into that because I was so brainwashed. I was so on the side of Mormonism that I agreed with the general feelings of church members that being gay was a sin, that gay people were trying to ruin traditional marriage. They wanted to go against God's plan, that it was evil. They were trying to ruin traditional marriage. They were going to take that away from, from us. You know, mm-hmm. and that gay people were were twisted, mm, yep. and they were pedophiles. Damn gays! Which reminds me again of another story that happened in a Relief Society. I could probably tell you so many. That crazy Relief oh, Society. Gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> oh, some good times. I, I wish in that everyone class. could go with me to one Relief Society <laughs> class, and you'd be like, "What the hell is going on in here?" Yeah, Just that's stick exactly to Jello and mayonnaise. Dishes. I know they, they kick ass at that. Um, so it was in class, and um, they were actually trying to have a discussion on how we need to love everyone, which I was all on board with that, hmm. um, and how wow. we need to be Christ-like and love people and be accepting and not make people feel like they were less than us. Not make them take out their nose piercings. Right, exactly, exactly. And then a lady raised her hand, and she said, well, sometimes you have to draw the line. For example, Vincent Bishop's wife has a nephew who goes and tries to recruit people to be gay. Recruit them, huh? Yeah, recruit them. Is that um, called going to a gay bar? I, I don't know. I don't know if like he's Picking like up a date. Yes, that's that's the recruitment <laughs> process. Oh, I guess I recruited you then. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, maybe they do recruit. <laughs> Come over to the dark side. Oh, I did. But I was already gay at that point. Uh, anyway, she was saying we need to draw a line to protect our children and protect our family members from these gay people who will try to recruit. And I was super offended at that comment, and I raised my hand to say something. You're not allowed to do that. I know. I was breaking the rules, but class got over, and that was it. I didn't get a chance to say anything. But I was so pissed off. Like, I was recognizing that that was the attitude toward gay people. And by the way, probably two years previously, I would have agreed with that. That's how brainwashed I was. So what was the change? How did you go from two years earlier thinking that was a correct way of thinking? I had to leave the church. I had to open my heart. I, my heart was so closed off to anyone who didn't believe the way that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gay people were just really painted out to be the people that were destroying oh, we're evil, God's for earth. Sure. Oh, you're so <laughs> evil. Oh, it's you against me now. Mm-hmm. That's how this is. So divisive. <laughs> yeah. And my ex's parents are very, very into protecting traditional marriage. For example, they lived in California when the whole Prop 8 thing was out there. Mm-hmm. And that was trying to protect traditional marriage and make it so that gay marriage couldn't be allowed. Right. And the church out there, the Mormon church out there, actually asked people to send money in to support this protection of marriage, which I'm like, hello, church and state, like, how can they do that? But they did that. Hmm. And I know that my ex's parents, like, sent in a portion of their life savings to support this because their leaders in the area told them to do that. So they're super, super anti-gay. Yeah. And so I listened to a lot of that anti-gay rhetoric when he and I got married, and I wanted them to like me, and I just agreed. And when you agree with something without thinking about it for so long, then it eventually becomes what you believe, even though you have no idea why you believe that, except for people told you. Right. You never really analyzed it. But when I started questioning the church, and I found myself having sympathy for gay people, I found myself having like gay friends on Facebook, like friends I went to high school with that had come out of the closet and seeing them that they were with their same girlfriend for, you know, 15, 20 years. They weren't just out sleeping with everyone they could find, which was what I was told being gay was. Mm -hmm. And seeing them with children, either adopted or from previous relationship or in vitro. And they were like good parents. They loved their kids. And seeing this, I'm going, well, shit, they're they're giving their kids a better situation than I had. Like, why why am I thinking that they're so wrong just because they're the same gender? Which (laughs) probably to you listeners, you're like, well, duh, Shelly. But I was so trained to think that was wrong, that those kids were going to grow up so screwed up, Mm -hmm. not being able to function, no morals. Yeah. That I had like this, I won't say loathing, loathing is a strong word, but I had a a pretty big dislike for the gay community because of, of what I was taught. So basically I was raised to hate who I was. Without yeah. even recognizing it I'm at so the time. I'm so glad we met when we did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oof. It's perfect timing. That would have been ugly. Yeah. That would have been an ugly scene. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So you had gay friends. So you had gay friends uh, from the gym, too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, is that... So you left the church... You started to kind of see that there were flaws in a lot of the the church's doctrine. Sure, yeah. And you started meeting gay people. And I think that actually is how it is. Like, people are like, oh, Muslims, oh, bad Muslims. And then they meet Muslims, and they think, oh, well, they're just kind of like regular people. They're just people. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's kind of the same idea. For sure, absolutely. If you think that all gays are evil, and then, oh, I've I've come across a few, and I actually like them. Right, right. And it kind of changes your viewpoint about it. Oh, yeah. Um, When I met my friend Brian, shout out, Brian. 
uh, <laughs> he was one of the first gay people that I became actually quite close with. And he was actually the first person I told right. that I thought I might be gay because yeah. he was very safe. Um, but being around him... like, uh, duh. <laughs> you know, we were both a little drunk when I told him, and he Sounds about right. and he was so sweet. He gave me a hug, and he said, "You know what? My mom was so awesome to me when I came out. If you ever want to talk to like a mother figure, that's sweet." Yeah, he like directed me to his mom. That oh, I want to hug Brian right now. Except I want to meet Brian's mom. So having gay friends and realizing they were good people, like kind, loving people that loved me for me and I didn't have to be anything but myself to them. And then comparing that to how I had to put on this front with most of my Mormon friends about having everything together. Right. And my kids were on their way to being like the best Mormon ever. They were going to go on missions and go to BYU like that. You had to be all that. Mm-hmm. And I could finally let that go and just be me. And then realizing that people who were not Mormons, yeah. they liked me. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly found myself like in a community of people that didn't judge me. And God, it felt Isn't so good. Isn't that nice? Yeah, because in my mind, I'm like, wait, they like me even though I'm not like bearing my testimony of truthfulness of shit that I wasn't sure about or bringing every freaking casserole to the, to the ward potluck <laughs> or, you know, birthing it, all of the babies. Mm-hmm. Like these people liked me still. Like they thought I was funny and kind and nice and things that I think I really am. And I didn't have to impress anyone with my with my mormon rule following Mm -hmm. right so you are out of the church Mm -hmm. you're meeting gay people and you're liking them as people for the first time probably right Right. because you're not around church people so you're around regular just everybody yes and you're meeting gay people and you're like oh these are actually good people yeah and so at some point you're like well, I might be gay. Like, when did that happen? Well, if I, if I, let me back up a little. If I look back mm-hmm. on my life, oh my gosh, gay red flags, or should I say rainbow flags, were, <laughs> there were quite a few instances. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> where had I not been raised Mormon, it'd have been like, oh yeah, well, I think I might be gay because of these feelings I'm having. One of them, and I told the story already about me being one lunch line and this girl being another lunch mm-hmm. line. And I, I, I said that last podcast, I think. Uh, another incident was in seventh grade, and I had a friend that I played on the basketball team with. So there you go. Of course, we're gay. Yeah, we play, there you have it. <laughs> played basketball. Uh, how about field hockey? Oh, right? uh, yeah, softball. <laughs> Let's get all the stereotypes out there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so I really was attracted to her, not necessarily physically, but just I, I, I needed her to be my friend. Like, I wanted to be her number one, you know? Um, and we, we were friends. We were, we were good friends and it threw me off because in my family, nobody hugged. That's not true. My mom hugged, but in my mind, my mom was weak. So hugging was weak Mm. and my dad and my brothers didn't hug. It's like they were macho. And so I didn't get hugs from my brothers and that's, I mean, my dad didn't, he hugged me sort of, but not really. Even today when I hug my dad, it just seems like more of a side hug thing. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I'm so glad you don't feel that way still, by the way. Oh, I love hugs. Yeah, I know. I love hugs now. Yeah. They're fantastic. You're a good hugger. Am I? Yeah. You're a good hugger. Aww. Everybody right now (laughs) hug the person next to you. (laughs) Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? (laughs) Uh, So this friend... I'm going to change her name to keep her anonymous. We're going to call her Melissa. Sure. So this friend, Melissa, and I were good friends, and she would hug me whenever we were about to part ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And she sensed that I was, like, kind of uncomfortable with it, and she would sort of 
lovingly make fun of me for it. Like you need to learn how to hug people. And I, I looked forward to like, if we were hanging out and then we were going to not hang out because I, I, she was going to hug me and I just, I just liked the way it felt, but Mm. I wouldn't have recognized that it was a gay thing. It was just like, I wasn't getting that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then one night we had a sleepover at her house, and that's how it starts. That's how that's how they recruit. Uh, we were <laughs> she we, recruited. You. She totally recruited me, <laughs> Melissa. You recruited me. If that's your actual name, <laughs> which oh, all right, it isn't. It isn't. Uh, you better not tell me her name. I'm gonna go beat her up. Just kidding. <laughs> She's gay, by the way. Oh, okay. She's out of the closet. We'll see. I know. She was exactly. gay. But that goes along with my story. <laughs> okay. Continue. So we're laying in the bed. We're sharing her bed. Oh. And we were just, there was no, would you stop? This is not a porn. It was very innocent. Should I cue the 70s music? Cue the 70s music. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right, I'll do that later. <laughs> okay, edit that in. So we're laying in the bed, and we're just laying next to each other, and we're just talking. I loved talking to her. She was really funny. She thought I was funny. We would laugh a lot. Uh, we were laying there, and she had put her foot kind of on my calf. That's how it starts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she wasn't coming on to me. Okay, continue. Sorry. I mean, girls do that, right? Uh, girls are like, are huggy. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, I don't know either, because I never did. So... <clears throat> I never she, felt up someone's calf with my that's foot. That's not what was going on. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll call her and be like, so hey, back, yeah. back in 1987. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continuing with my story, she had put her foot on my calf and she was just kind of, I don't want to use a caressing word because that makes it sound sexual, but she was just like fidgeting, I guess, with her foot mm, on my calf. Uh-huh. And we were just talking. Likely story. <sighs> Keep going. (laughs) Just ignore me. I'm trying (laughs) to ignore you. She's fidgeting her foot on my calf. Is that what they're calling it? mm -hmm. That's what the kids all call it these (laughs) days. And in those moments, I had this rush of, like, butterflies, Uh and my cheeks got flushed. Because she recruited you. She recruited me. Mm -hmm. My cheeks got flushed, and I had this feeling of, I... I just want to stay in this moment forever. I want to keep feeling these things. Please don't ever move your foot away from my leg. I just, I, this, this feeling, I, I don't understand it, but I need to have this feeling. Wow. I can't fight this oh feeling. God. Mary, you are on one. <laughs> if you think we should fire Mary, raise your hand. Hey, come on I'm now. Just, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, baby. I love you. And I love you. Anyway, that, I think that would be a sign. Am I right? Audience, am I right? Is that a sign of gayness? Probably. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Everybody's got a different story. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, yeah, it'd be interesting to find out how many people have had some sort of same-sex experience that was sort of just innocent, but there was something more to it that ended up being like, oh, yeah, that was, we were just experimenting. I mean, you hear stories like that. That's true. People were just experimenting. But I don't know how many butterflies they got as a result. I I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, listeners, if you want to send in a story or something, a similar experience, I, yeah, that's a good question. I would love to know, is this a common thing? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. But for mm-hmm. me, it was, looking back, that was pretty, like, I couldn't get her out of my mind. I, I just, I needed her in my life, in my space, in my, you know, we would talk on the phone all night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was that. Growing up, I had childhood friends that would say to me, Mary, if you were a boy, would you be my boyfriend? 
or would I be your girlfriend? Maybe they said that. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would just say, yes. The answer is always yes. Ah, so I need to kick their asses. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Gotcha. Let's go back in time. Time machine. Time machine, kicking all the asses. <laughs> There's a long list of um, asses. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, that was a, I think that was a sign for you, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. think it seems significant. You're still remembering it. Sure, because it, looking back, yeah, that was that was very significant, and I wonder if I was raised in a different family in a different time, would that have sunk in a little deeper at the time, um, and maybe I would have dated women. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, I found myself as an adult. Once I was able to get it out of my heart that being gay was a sin and wrong, which which took me leaving the church. Right. The church needed to be wrong in my head. It needed to be wrong for me to accept that being gay might be okay. And I, I, I had some gay friends and I finally, in my heart, I just, I let go of it. I was like, I don't think God cares if you're gay. I, I think he loves you no matter what. There's nothing wrong with it. And I let this hate, I guess, if you want to call it out of my heart, just let it go. And it wasn't a day later that I found myself then being physically attracted to women. Really? Yeah. It was like, I had to just, I had to let it go. Wow. Um, and once you're all, blocking that, you're holding that in. Oh, like for you, sure. It's like you uncorked it. I uncorked it. Yeah. And at, at that time I was, I had joined a CrossFit gym and there were of course all these ripped women in sports bras and I found myself. I need to get to a gym tomorrow. <laughs> to check it out. I know. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, CrossFit. So I found myself not being attracted to the hot guys at the gym. I mean, I would admire their bodies like, wow, that's a nice body. Mm -hmm. But the hot chicks, I wanted to be their friends. I wanted to emotionally connect. I wanted to be around them. They were so much more interesting to me. Mm. And it was it was constant. I would find myself staring and not just staring in a lustful way, but being like, I wonder what they're about. I wonder what they like to do. I, I wonder what their favorite color is. I wonder if they're funny. I wonder like all these things I was wondering about these women that I was no longer wondering about the men. I wonder what their lips feel like. I wonder what their lips feel like. <laughs> well, I don't think I had you that. You didn't have that Not one? yet. Not okay. yet. Um, but I found myself then being more attracted to my hot friends who were women and I didn't really have anyone to go to to talk about this. Hmm. Um, and I ended up, for better or worse, I guess, talking to my husband at the time about it. Whoa! Yeah, I mean, Brent and I were very open with each other. We we actually communicated very well. It was hard for me because no one wants to tell their husband, I think I might like women. That's, <laughs> I don't think that's the anything that a husband wants to hear. <laughs> Um, but he was, well, I mean, he was kind about it. He listened, he understood, but then at the same time he got a little bit concerned that I was hanging out with women, but I'm like, well, sure. I can't have man friends. I can't have woman friends. Like I, I can't be st stuck here. Um, and so he, he was pretty sure that I, I must just be bisexual mm -hmm. because I was with him for however many years and had kids and I had boyfriends all before him. Um, but the more I was around women, the more I kept thinking, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm bisexual. I really desire the heart of a woman. Mm. Um, I I, I want to know what it feels like to kiss a woman. It was a connection that I wanted with a woman. Uh -huh. um, and it, I don't think it was really a curiosity. I think it was this desire. And I know we're running out of time, but one last thing before we go. I had this moment where I just had decided I would just stay married to my husband and raise kids. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. <sighs> and depressing. 
it gave me so much sadness in my heart because I felt like there was part of me that's probably gay, maybe all of me, I didn't know. Um, but I had this desire to connect and be so close and kiss and, and all like the things that you would do with a lover. I wanted that with a woman. Like my heart was just aching to have this thing. Yeah. And I had decided I would never have that. Oh. And it, it, it broke me. It was very, it was hard. It was depressing. Um, I think that's why I became so attached to my friends who were girls. Cause it was kind of a substitute. Like, well, this is as good as it gets as yeah. close friendships. And sense. then when these close friendships fell apart, I was devastated. It was like, I, I couldn't have what my heart wanted. Yeah. Oh, mm. I'm glad you got through it. I, I, I did. I did. There it must took a lot. Well, yeah. Um, so there's a part B there. Yes. Why don't we do part B next week? Should okay. We do that? Yeah. Okay. Cause clearly you got to the other side. You figured yeah. it out. Yeah. It yeah. Was, there was a lot. It was not pretty. I mean, there was a lot of pain with both myself and my husband. I mean, no husband wants to watch their wife decide to be gay. Like that can't feel good. Yeah. And leave him. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot and there, you know, there's happiness at the end. So it, it, it ends well, clearly. Um, but yeah, it was rough. Let's talk about it next week. I want to talk about it. It's life, and I want to talk about it. I like it. Uh, Don't forget, you can send your comments to contact at latterdaylesbian.org, or you can check out our website, latterdaylesbian.org. And on Facebook, you can do a search for Latter Day Lesbian Podcast mm-hmm. and contact us on our Facebook page. I would love that. And then we'll put you on the list of people that we are going to. Right, yeah, yeah, the list of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, but not Arya Stark's list. <laughs> right, we decided it's not because that would be a dangerous list. <laughs> That'd be a dangerous list. So it's not an Arya. Although Stark the list. hound lives and lives and lives, so whatever. Don't about spoil that. for me. Well, I'm he's catching up. I know he's still alive as of the last episode you saw. Okay, well, don't spoil. Remember, he's out like kind of no, you're right, beating you're right. up the White Walker. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, um, had not heard of this show until I met Mary and she introduced me to it, and it's fantastic. So yeah. I'm catching up so that I will be all ready for the final season in April. Game of Thrones rules, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a true story. It's provocative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that makes me think of something funny. So I, we, I'll be we, the judge. We boosted <laughs> um, the Latter Day Lesbian Facebook page. Yeah. And so it just goes to random people. And a lady commented, she said, uh, my husband must have been surfing porn, and that's why this came to his <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> and I nice. replied with, mm, this is not porn, but I'm glad I busted your husband. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Oh, Lordy. Okay, so wrapping it up, um, more to come, and we're going to talk about part B of the coming out story next time. Yep, there's still a lot more. There's being honest with my husband, there's coming out to friends, there's coming out to family, there's coming out to my children. There's some good stuff. Yeah, lots of coming out. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to do it. Well, not everybody, just Mm -hmm. the gay ones. Wouldn't it be great if heterosexual people had to come out as being heterosexual? I know. Like, Mom, Dad, I need have to have a talk. Have something to tell you. Something to say. I hope you're not upset with me, uh-huh. but I'm heterosexual. <laughs> I know. They should go through that. Maybe you know how they have, like, that. what is it, bar mitzvahs when you turn a certain age? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you Coming turn an age party. and then you announce your sexuality. That's true. Well, but some people don't figure it out until whatever. Maybe that's Some people big probably bad. never figure it out, actually. How about when someone comes out, the reaction is just a hug and, cool, I love you. That's Instead a good of, one. Well, how are you going to get through life? And oh my gosh, it's going to be so hard for you. 
It's just crazy talk, Shelley. I know, I know. Where would we be without judgmental people? Come on. They, they make the world turn. They make the world turn. <laughs> it's frightening. <laughs> All right, we gotta go. Okay. Right? See you next time. Bye. Bye. Music provided by Purple Planet at purple-planet.com.